welcome to episode 963 of The Sleeper and the Best. I am Justin Mason, joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing well. My team has made it back into first place uh, and went to a minor league game with my little brother last night, which was fun. And, uh, you know, enjoy a nice run of weather here. So after we're done recording, I'm going out to the pool for a few hours. How about you? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. My team continues to be in first place, defying all odds. Uh, all odds. Yeah, I just I, I don't know how they continue to do it. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it with the flurry of trades that the Dodgers made over the uh, the last few days. But we got Chris Bryant, which makes me happy. Makes my wife even happier because uh, she now has uh, is is looking at Chris Bryant jerseys and and dreaming of what it'd be like uh, that. Uh, he would sweep her off her feet and all that good stuff. So it was, <laughs> it's a very good trade deadline in the Mason household. Uh, joining us today is a special guest. It's Jake Halsker from rotosaurus.com. Jake, how you doing? Uh, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, my team is not in the first place club, unfortunately, nor do I expect us to join that upper echelon anytime soon. But I'm doing all right otherwise. I thought you guys were going to because you made the trade for you know Pablo Sandoval, who's just who who knows how to win. So uh, didn't you, you guys... hear he's he's available for the Giants to sign now? I, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will because they they weirdly them. promptly cut him after after trading for him. But uh, yeah, uh, Jake, uh, let's uh, before we jump into a bunch of trades because we have a ton of trades to uh, get to some won't take very much talking about and then some will take a lot of talking about i remind everyone where you can reach on social media uh and talk a little bit about yourself you can find me at the dust Mite on twitter uh i along with my buddy uh dave mcdonald uh run rotosource.com and we uh also uh, do the high stakes heat podcast that you can find on all platforms uh it's uh very it's it's mainly focused on playing uh high stakes roto games but we also throw some other information in there too but we're, we're pretty strategy centric over there uh you know there's we try to do as much of the evergreen strategy content as we can to help people kind of move forward in their journey to uh kind of progress in the high stakes realm and it's one of my favorite podcasts you guys uh you know, are newer on the scene in the podcast realm, uh, but have become part of my regular rotation, especially if you guys like the long form podcasts, right? <laughs> you guys, you guys don't really have like a stop time. No, we, we never have a hard out. It's, it's, we've never like had to go to bed. So we just kind of keep going until two, three in the morning. And then I edit and throw them out there. So we, we usually average about an hour 45 a piece. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's uh, and for for those of you who remember the the three four hour marathons that Paul would, uh, and I would do every once in a while, uh, that that's kind of the kind of stuff you're gonna get from high stakes heat plus amazing talk, uh, especially if you're into high stakes uh, uh fantasy baseball. So definitely go and subscribe over there. Go follow their work at rotosaurus.com. Follow follow Jake on Twitter because Jake knows what he's talking about. He won an overall championship in the NFBC uh, a couple years ago. Uh, still has that big, beautiful check. Yep. That ain't going anywhere. <laughs> so, uh, the bank frame it like Ricky Henderson and forget to cash it. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, th- I don't think if I walked in the bank, they would have, uh, uh, they would have uh, looked at it as a normal check, but I did. Uh, I did throw it on the wall. <laughs> you, you should. You should do like a little video of you trying to cash it. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I saved it for my uh, my uh, skyline photos. I did take some photos with it. Nice. Yeah, I remember the year um, when Lindy Hinkle Lindy Hinkleman won both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Fanball was was running it, and we presented him with the check, I was just looking at that thing like seven hundred and something thousand dollars. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Winning winning the uh, the the main and the uh, online championship is is forever known as the Lindy because he did that in the same year. Yeah. That's crazy. Let's uh, let's jump in all these trades because we have a ton to talk about, and uh, unfortunately, I do have some of a somewhat of a hard stop today because my family uh, is going to be doing their own Olympic Games today. So, for those of you Sweet. been seeing my amazing uniforms on Twitter, uh, there'll, there'll be more posted later today. Uh, and for those of you who don't like that, you might want to unfollow me on Twitter today. <laughs> so, uh, but let's start with with a big one. Uh, and I tried to group these by uh, with the help of Jake by team. Uh, Max Scherzer and Trey Turner uh, get traded to the Dodgers. Uh, this one kind of uh, was a little bit weird because the reports originally were that the Padres had landed Max Scherzer. And then all of a sudden, it was like, nope, the Dodgers have. And then Trey Turner's coming along, too. So, Jake, I mean, obviously these guys are rostered in 100% of leagues. I don't, I don't care if you're playing in, like, the shallowest of shallow leagues. These guys are on, on rosters. But do their values change, or do they change the values of anybody on the Dodgers? Well, I don't know about uh, their values changing necessarily. I would assume the Dodgers aren't going to play too much games uh, with Trey when he's back from the IL. Um, and I, they're not going to be I, – I don't I don't see them skipping Scherzer around either to reduce his workload. I mean, he's a free agent after the season. He's a horse. So they're just going to kind of pound him into the ground. Um you're going to have Trey playing second. Um, so that's probably going to shift Chris Taylor to the outfield most of the time, I would think. So, you know, your your lesser outfielders are probably going to get shuffled around. Your, your Zach McKinstry, uh, guys like that. Uh, Pujols will probably lose in a bat or two just, just because, uh, well, I guess it won't affect him too much. But your outfield guys, uh, your Beatty, your McKinstry, your McKinney, that, those guys. And, uh, yeah, Bellinger too. I mean, Bellinger is pretty weak sauce this year, so I, I can't imagine him getting every day at bats the way he's continuing. Jason, does this have any effect for you? Do, do you do you worry about guys like McKinstry uh, and um, or uh, or Beatty losing playing time because of this? Yeah, it's got to. It has to happen somehow because again, Taylor moves into a utility. You know, he's going to be the guy that bounces around. Uh, and so some of the stuff downstream, I think, you know, if these guys were getting a spot start, they lose that spot start during a day. They still want to, they can keep them fresh pinch hitting in the, in the strict straight NL games uh, type of thing. But some of this fringy stuff, honestly, I don't think it impacts much more. I, you know, I'm more interested in the impact of the guys leaving the team, you know, Kyber Ruiz and, and Josiah Gray, who I'd like quite a bit. Uh, you know, the fact that they now have a path to, viability this year because i know a lot of people have been sitting on one or both of these guys this year hoping for something and now they have something because i mean you the three of us could probably play for the nats tomorrow if they needed us uh that's how (laughs) between 
between the COVID issue, um, between everything they've dealt away. Like I checked their box score the Friday night. And I was like, who the hell is half this roster? Uh, but that's why I'm, I'm curious to see how those guys are going to play out uh, because yeah, I know at least in one league, uh, I've had Gray, uh, a guy that I've targeted in a lot of deep uh, keeper type leagues uh, this year in drafts. So I'm happy that he stayed in the NL for this um, with us, but I'm more excited about, what's going to happen with those guys versus, you know, the switch of going once, once there was like, Hey, there, this deal may not be done with the Padres. It figured the Dodgers were coming in to try to, to try to save the day. I'm wondering how much of this stuff is agents playing, you know, leaking. Hey, we think we have a deal done with the Padres to kind of spur the mm-hmm. other party on. Cause it was really weird how this like all but done, you know, people are like, Oh my God, this is it. We're making, and then wham, He's a Dodger. And, oh, yeah, by the way, here comes Trey Turner, who's not a free agent until after next year. Uh, So we're just going to go ahead and do this now uh, instead of putting Trey Turner out there on the open market. I mean, they they probably could have gotten Ruiz on his own uh, for uh, for Scherzer. I don't know. But instead of putting out there in the winter and saying, hey, anybody want to have Trey Turner for 2022? Let's go. Uh, It's just weird to see these guys packaged up like this. For yes, what should be a starting catcher? Uh, and as much as I like Gray, I think he is like a middle of the rotation guy. He's not somebody that confronts a rotation, uh, but I think he's a middle uh, middle of the rotation guy. And I don't know. I just I, I'm always shocked at how little some of these guys get in return, uh, especially when you look at the the spectrum of returns other guys got on this uh, on the, at the trade deadline here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was I was shocked that they got this, and then uh, for this package, especially considering that we're going to talk about the Jose Barrios trade and what they got for a year of him to get Trey Turner uh, plus the rest of the year of Max Scherzer was uh, quite a coup for them. Uh, not to say that Ruiz, I mean, Ruiz is going to be a really good player, I think, uh, and it doesn't look like they've added him to the to the active roster, the twenty six man roster, so he must be uh, in Triple A. Uh, for the Nationals, but uh, Gray is on, on the roster. Uh, yeah, I, I was a bit surprised that this was the return, um, uh, that they didn't have to give up a little bit more, but uh, kudos, I guess, to the Dodgers. It hurts my it hurts my soul. As, as excited as I was about Chris Bryant, I was just devastated by the fact that Dodgers got these guys. <laughs> so and The Dodgers uh, needed Scherzer. I mean, that, that yeah. rotation is just falling apart. And Gonsolin's back on the IL now. I mean, he couldn't he couldn't get through three innings anyway. But mm-hmm. uh, Kershaw should be coming back. But you know, uh, when Price is your uh, your fourth starter, um, that's that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, uh, they also traded for Danny Duffy, uh, which I think under the radar kind of move. Uh, Duffy's on the IL right now with a strained flexor uh, muscle in his uh, throwing arm. Uh, is this uh, someone you would want to stash right now, Jason? Uh, I was carrying him in my home AL league and until now that I obviously can't because on that league, it's you lose him. You can't even – you don't get the carryover stats. So I've been holding on to him in hopes that he could come back, but I was never anticipating him really coming back from the second one because he's already come back from one flexor strain, pitched a little bit, went back. Uh, and so I don't know if he's going to come back. Um, with it and so i'm i'm willing to let somebody else go or even if he does come back i think they've already said it's going to be in like a, a two inning relief mm-hmm. kind of role uh right. type of thing no no thanks any interest for you jake yeah i i did own duffy uh um and i have since dropped him 
it was it was more because he got that second flexor strain. Uh, I wasn't yeah. going to bother holding on and waiting. And you're, as Jason said, when they bring him back, there's there's no chance he's going to be built up to any kind of usable workload in a fantasy league outside of like the the deeper NL kind of leagues. Yeah, and I don't think they're even expecting him to be ready until September. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, and who knows if they even actually get him back? I mean, this yeah, and even be- when the the Royals brought him back and they they didn't really send him to the minors. They just kind of built him up in the majors, but then he never really went over four innings. So he Mm -hmm. never even got a chance to ramp up before. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's a bummer for him because I mean, he is a a free agent at the end of the year. He was, he was in line to have a pretty decent payday uh, considering the kind of year he was having when he was on the mound. Uh, But I I, I can't imagine there's many leagues in which Danny Duffy is going to be viable uh, moving forward, even if he does return. So, uh, Let's uh, let's move over to the Yankees. They made a couple moves. They got Anthony Rizzo uh, in a again a deal that I, I was a bit surprised that that's who they went with because it kind of crowded up their roster quite a bit. Uh, and then they also added my boy Andrew Heaney. So uh, first, uh, Jake, what are your thoughts on Rizzo to the Yankees? Uh, and is Andrew Heaney going to even be a starter now in New York? Uh as of now. I would think Heaney's going to be a starter just because they, they keep messing around with uh, Domingo Herman. And... He just went back to the oh, IL, the IL. Within, like, a few minutes ago. So oh I think he God. has to be a starter now. I'm, I'm looking at roster resources. I'm like, where is Herman in this rotation? Oh, there he is down there. Uh, so, yeah, I guess he's a starter now. And uh, good luck starting that in Yankee Stadium. I'm not uh, – I'm not looking forward to the gopher balls unless I'm um, I got somebody playing against Heaney. Sorry, Justin. I know you're yeah. Heaney. Um, in terms of Rizzo, yeah, I'll echo the sentiment of I'm a little confused as to the position that they acquired. Uh, just because Void is due to return from his kind of what is it, knee bruise, something like that. It was something mm-hmm. minor. And who he, I mean, he keeps getting hurt, so maybe that's why. But I mean, if, if Void is healthy. This is going to make Stanton have to play some outfield, and I'm not too uh, too interested in seeing how healthy he stays if he's in the outfield that much. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just a little weird. I thought, I mean, there was some talk that they could actually trade Voight uh, at some point, right. um, but that never came to fruition. Uh, and so it, once Voight comes back, this there is going to be a little bit of roster crunch. They, there has been talk that they could start playing stay in the outfield, but I can't imagine they want to do that full time. Right. Um, you know, maybe a couple days a week. Uh, and then they give Rizzo a couple days, uh, a, a day off here and there. Um, but, uh, I think Voight's about to lose some serious playing time. They didn't make a move like this for Rizzo, uh, in order to just, uh, just keep him on the bench. So I think, unfortunately, I think Voight's injuries have kind of caught up and are going to uh, eat into his playing time quite a bit. Jason, what are your thoughts on these moves? Yeah, Voight becomes like an insurance policy, uh, as Jake was mentioning with the uh, with Stanton playing left field, which he's done uh, the last two games mm. uh, since they've made these acquisitions. Stanton has played left field in two straight uh, two consecutive games. Today's lineup's not. Uh, actually, he's sitting out today. Today's lineup's out, and Stanton's not in the lineup today. Uh, from if I'm reading from reading the roster resource page right, because they have uh, Anthony Rizzo leading off with Judge and Gallo uh, Sanchez. Yeah, so uh, Stanton's yeah, no not Stanton. in the lineup today. 
Um, so he becomes an insurance policy, but even on a day like an insurance policy, he's not playing today because Odoris is hitting fifth, Tyler Wade is hitting eighth. Uh, and so he's, he's there. I'm really surprised they weren't able to find something to move him for. Uh, at the deadline, Lord knows they could use uh, a serv- another serviceable outfielder and get rid of Brett Gardner. Who just, I mean, as a as a Yankee hater, I love the fact that they're carrying Brett Gardner around in this roster. Uh, you know, I really thank him for his superb effort in catching what should have been a fly ball out uh, and turning it into a two run uh, ball in play the other day. Uh, so the you know the ball literally went off his chest and he just missed his glove. So that that was fantastic. Uh, so, you know, keep carrying him, even though, you know, he, they should be running Greg Allen out there as much as possible because those fantasy steals are re- really sweet. Um, so yeah, that's how I see it playing out. But I mean, these are moves that the Yankees had to make, uh, because they're, they've been so heavily right-handed, uh, and the lack of left-handed power that they have, which is comical given their stadium. It's like, why, if you have a stadium like that, why would you not tried to prioritize adding left-handed power. And they went out and got two guys that excel at getting on base uh, and hitting with a lot of power, you know, and hitting to power there. I forgot who put the overlay and showed that uh, the graphic that something like Rizzo would have 10 to 12 more home runs this year alone in Yankee Stadium just on his batted ball data. Uh, and so, you know, that's, yeah, as again, as a Yankee hater, that sucks. Uh, and obviously the, just the threat and the fear of the lineup, the way it's loaded now, I mean, Gallo, his three, two outcomes are still nearly 60% of, of his events. Uh, but you know, he gets on base a ton. He plays good defense. I mean, that lineup is sick. Uh, and it's just surprising that adding Heaney was their pitching acquisition because he is risky in that stadium because he does not pitch inside the righties. And if you're going to survive, in Yankee Stadium as a left-handed pitcher, you have to come inside. So I don't know if that's something the Yankees are going to adjust and say, look, you got to establish your fastball in because him this year pitching to righties, he's given up 10 home runs off his fastball to righties, and there's been a slug with 562 and an X slug of 499, and that's pitching in a mostly neutral place. Now you're putting him uh, in that band box with that. He has to adjust the way he pitches to righties. Uh, or this could get ugly in a hurry. Yeah, as far as Heaney goes, this is uh, this was not a very good move for him, moving to that kind of division, that kind of park. Um, and as much as I'm a Heaney guy, I think he's cuttable in just about every format uh, moving forward. Uh, you know, I'll probably hold on to him because I'm stubborn and he's my boy. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is this is not a good move for his value. Uh, Let's uh let's let's talk about their rivals because I I thought Rizzo was destined to end up with the Red Sox, uh made a lot of sense um but he uh he did not he ended up with the Yankees and the Yankees probably tried to keep him away from the Red Sox, uh and Kyle Schwarber ends up in Boston now he's on the IL right now uh working his way back but what are your thoughts on Kyle Schwarber in Boston there Jason? Uh. You know, good fit. It's a, it was a little weird because when you look at what they have, it seems like they're really banking on Chris Sale's return uh, mm-hmm. as like this is going to be their fix. And you know, you look at some of the stuff he's done in the, in the minor league outings. His most recent rehab start, which was yesterday, uh, wasn't as great as his other ones have been, and that's what you kind of expect. We know guys coming back for the injuries and whatnot. The command's going to be off. I don't know how much depth he's going to be able to give them uh, in games. Uh, and they have, and they were coming off. I mean, there was that streak, that streak of baseball that the Red Sox played uh, in July, where they couldn't lose. 
Uh, and now this week they've dropped first two of three to Tampa Bay. They lost. Uh, were they were they playing the Yankees? I mean, they had the, the series against the Yankees where they could have lost three of four. They won three of four instead. Uh, but then during the week, the series before they were playing uh, Tampa Bay, which I believe was Toronto, um, they struggled. So they're having issues. I'm just surprised they didn't go out and get uh, try to increase what they had on their pitching side because that's been problematic uh, for them. And I don't know if the approach is like, okay, we're just going to add Schwarber uh, and he's going to and he's going to help us slug through games unless Schwarber's going to pitch. But I mean, offense hasn't been their problem outside of. Uh, you know, Bobby Dalbeck struggling to make contact at the bottom in their lineup, but you know, he's even looked better of late. And again, the top half of their lineup does enough damage where it's like, I don't see a marginal gain uh, for Schwarber. And when he comes in for playing time, who's he, you know, yeah, it's going to, it's going to hurt Dalbeck, which again, stinks because Dalbeck's been playing better of late. Uh, so that's where the playing time is going to go. But it seems like that's about two weeks away because uh, they haven't even, sent him out for a rehab assignment yet. I saw a video of him taking BP the other day, um, uh, yesterday, and that's really where things have been limited. So that's the fantasy impact is uh, Dahlbeck, as just as he was getting hot, is now going to lose that playing time here in the next couple of weeks. So you should make adjustments um, if you have him on your roster. And I would assume that as once Schwarber gets into the lineup, that he is going to hit high in it. I mean, I, you can make an argument that he should be hitting second right now. That's Jaron Duran. Uh, and shocker, another rookie that was killing the ball in AAA is not doing well in his major league debut. I mean, Duran's hitting about a buck forty and has struggled defensively. So you know, that's, you're going to see him once Schwarber comes up. Duran, if he sticks in the lineup, is going to fall down to the bottom. Yeah, I'm curious as to whether Duran's going to stick in the lineup, as Jason was alluding to there. I'm, I mean, he his performance has been not even close to major league level so far. And, but then you, you have the question of who's going to play center. Um, I know Renfro's pretty good defensively. I don't know um, if he's worthy of center field. Um, Verdugo as well. I, 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 I'm not up on their uh, defensive ratings or anything like that. Verdugo so, can play center. All right. Then that's probably what they're going to do. I, I mean, Dahlbeck has been very solid and I would imagine that, Schwarber's going to kick Duran out of that lineup. I, I mean, I know they brought him up and he's a big prospect, but I mean, it, they need to get into the playoffs. They're not going to keep running him out there if he's dragging him down. Now, in terms of that rotation, yeah, they, they really are especially weak there. And Pavetta's kind of falling apart. Martin Perez is what he is. Uh, Garrett Richards is learning how to pitch for like the fourth time at age 33. And <laughs> if Sale comes back, do you, I mean, is he going to be Chris Sale? We still don't know that. You know, he's, he's looking okay in the um, in his ramp up, but you know, it, these TJ guys, uh, control is the last thing that comes back as we know. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it really didn't make sense that they did not add a starter at the deadline. Yeah, I will. They, they felt a lot like what the giants were doing, which was kind of playing the fence a little bit and not wanting mm-hmm. to make, you know, too many moves that, that kind of, uh, came from their, uh, farm system, uh, I think probably feeling the same way as each other as like, Hey, you know, it's, it's great that, uh, we've gotten this far, uh, leading the division. Um, but no one kind of, including us thought we were going to be here. So let, let's continue with it's the original like, plan, which was a, a year or two down the road. 
It's almost like somebody forgot to tell Kind Bloom, hey, you know, you're not in Tampa Bay anymore. You have money. If you mm-hmm. want to spend it, you can spend it. Uh, you can do things. Maybe he's just so conditioned to not doing things at the trade deadline that he didn't do anything at the trade deadline. Uh, I have, uh, you know, I've said, you know, my my brother's a Red Sox fan. One of my best friends and his son are. And like all I got was complaining texts from people like. Why, why are they not doing anything? Why are they not doing anything? I mean, what kind of world is it where Tampa Bay is making more moves than Boston? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just sitting back here laughing. Speaking <laughs> of Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay sends uh, Jordan Luplow and DJ Johnson uh, to uh, Cleveland. Uh, Jake's oh, Cleveland backwards. team. Uh, Cleveland sent those guys to Tampa Bay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That that that's what I meant. Cleveland sent those uh, those guys to Tampa Bay. Uh, I wasn't going to put these guys on the rundown um, just because I don't know how much of an impact they're going to make. But Luplo, if he does, uh, if they do bring him up from the minors, could cut into some people's time. So, Jason, what are your thoughts on these guys heading over to Tampa? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Right now, he's I think he's still on the the. Uh, IL and the minors uh, when they assigned him, because I don't even know if he's uh, healthy uh, yet. But one of the things that's been problematic, and one of the, we talked about this with the Cruz acquisition, is they've sucked against left-handed pitching. I don't care what lefty. I mean, if you watch this week against Nestor Cortez, I mean, Nestor Cortez and Lucas Lucky came in, nobody threw a pitch over 92 miles an hour, and I think the race had four hits. Uh, and it's just like that's been like this all season long. And then they faced Martin Perez the other day and, and hit him hard. Um, go figure. It's probably the first lefty they've hit hard. But so Luplo, I could see once he comes up, uh, he would be in the lineup. And we're obviously we're only talking AL only folks here. Uh, but I could absolutely see him in, in as part of roster expansion uh, by September at, at the latest with that because of the issues against lefties. And when you look at the way the, the, the roster is out there with both Kiermaier and Phillips being lefty, um, you know, Kiermaier is the worst hitter of the two uh, in that regard. So they, they need another bat like that so it could come up. And, and frankly, Johnson maybe even cut, comes up today um, because Jeffrey Springs hurt his knee last night trying to cover a bunt down the line, took a step, really weird step, and went down in a heap holding his knee um, they're saying knee sprain. We don't know what the damage is, uh, but he's going to the IL. Uh, and so Johnson may be up now because they already have Fairbanks uh, and McHugh and, and Fire Eyes and all these guys are already on the IL. So Johnson may even be up now. And uh, he's intriguing only because he is uh, the race of a type. They love relievers with high spin rate. Uh, and you look at you go look at Savant's page and look at Johnson. And sure enough, he's got a, a elite fastball spin. Uh, and so he's like their type and we'll see what they what they do with him. But he could be on the roster right now. Um, and, you know, given the fact that they're using guys like uh, Charcois, who they just acquired in trade, Matt Whistler, who they picked up from your team after they dumped him. And Lewis Head, uh, who was selling solar panels uh, this uh, last offseason. True story. Uh, you know, they <laughs> they need bullpen help. You look at this. This honestly, their bullpen right now looks like a, a split squad spring training roster. Like these are the guys that are traveling to to uh, Bradenton today to pitch because you know these names outside of Andrew Kittredge, the All Star. Most of this, you're like, who are these guys? So what you're saying, Jason, is DJ Johnson's going to have two saves this week. Two saves, two wins. Uh, probably going to win AL reliever of the week. Yeah. <laughs> and then he'll get relegated to mop-up duty after that. Yeah, pretty much. 
Yeah, that, that that's an absolute nightmare. Right now, roster resource has five different pitchers labeled as closer in the Braves bullpen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good luck if you're trying to source saves out of that Tampa Bay bullpen this weekend via Fab. Uh, good luck. I, I I've put well, my Nick Anderson had a bit of a COVID setback this week, so his rehab is probably I would say mid-August. So if you've been sitting and stashing him, waiting to come back, Oliver Drake may be back before Nick Anderson is. Yeah, uh, not good. Um, yeah, I think this, if uh, Luplo comes up at some point, I think he could eat into uh, maybe Mark some Marco's time, uh, which would be unfortunate for me. Uh, but um, I don't know that these guys are going to have very much fantasy value on their own on moving forward. But No, I, I would I disagree there a little bit because okay. he's one of the lefties well, too. I think, honestly, it eats into Brett Phillips. Okay. Uh, they, they, they've started either Kiermaier or Phillips because defense is equal. Uh, and, but that's the thing. Margot's defense is just behind them. So you put Margot in center and you can allow Luplo to play left field. And then they have, you know, they, that helps them out against lineups where the, where the lefty matchup is just really good. Uh, and so that's where I can see things happening. Uh, they only have, they have two interleague games against Philly at some point here and that's it. So just all but two of their games our, our American League, uh, and I think they have nine games against Baltimore here in the next six weeks. Mm. So, giddy up. If you're in a Rosarena owner, he's doing the whole Glaber Torres thing this year against Baltimore and been absolutely murdering them. Uh, and so, they've got nine more games coming up against Baltimore here in the next six weeks. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, the uh, Cleveland Guardians, uh, they, uh, they got miles straw in a deal uh jake what are your thoughts on straw coming to cleveland well i mean we needed guys to play right <laughs> i uh he, they put him at lead off yesterday um but now he's back to the bottom of the lineup again uh against the right hander so he it looks like they might be thinking about leading him off against lefties um i don't know just just a guy if he needs steals at this point because i don't think he's going to do too much else it's not a high-powered offense, despite what they did yesterday against the White Sox. So, uh, that if you're, was a fun game. yeah, that sure was a fun game. Um, it'd be nice if I can watch it. YouTube TV does not carry Bally Sports, and they still haven't added it, so I still can't watch them very often. Um, but I mean, if you're in a league with daily lineup changes, uh, straw leading off against lefties isn't the worst thing in the world if you need speed. Jason, any thoughts on straw? Uh, you know, he should, the, the problem we have is the unknown of DeMarco Hale running the team now with Terry Francona out, at least Frank, with Francona, we knew that he likes to run, uh, and he would take advantage of that, but we don't know what, what Hale's, uh, tendencies are. Uh, and then I don't know if they, I guess that uh, Jimenez, was he called up already? Uh, uh, no, not that he, I see. No, he, okay. I, he, he was having visa issues. Wasn't yeah. He? he could not be called up because he, uh, because he's applying for, uh, a visa while in the U S and a visa extension or something like that. Uh, he can't travel to Toronto, which they're where they're going the first half this week. So, uh, I Ew. would expect him to come up, uh, yeah. at the end of the week, uh, mm -hmm. after they leave Toronto. But because of that, uh, yeah, they couldn't bring him up, so they they brought up uh, Owen Miller, I think it was. Right. Yeah. So I'm wondering. Go ahead. Sorry. I I don't know if they're gonna uh, move Rosario. To, it, 
they should. What they should do is is get Rosario to second because he's he's a butcher over at short. But they're probably going to put uh, Jimenez at second and send Miller back out. Yeah, or or Yu Chang, and they could move Miller to first even feasibly. Or Ernie Clement. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I, I think they kind of like him. I, Miller has I, I like what I've seen. Time. I don't know from a fantasy perspective, but from a baseball perspective. Yeah, he seems like a, a solid guy. Yeah, so fourth infielder, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, no, I think the only reason I was asking about Jimenez is because Straw's hitting leadoff for now, but I, I could easily see him going to the bottom of the lineup and, and running with uh, uh, Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario and Jose Ramirez and Fran Mel Reyes as the top four. Very possible. Yeah. So, yeah, it it, uh, it seems, um, according to, I think, the Cleveland Plain dealer, uh, Jimenez is not expected to be called up uh, next week. So, yeah. Uh, that that that's a bit of a bummer. I've been 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 holding on to him in a couple leagues, hoping he get he gets the call. But uh, seems like they're going to uh, wait a little bit uh, longer on that well, one. Well, if somebody dropped him in a in a in a twelve or so, I mean, and you can you can pick him up on the cheap because you mm-hmm. know he's going to be coming up soon. Yeah, so and this, he's this playing well. Price for him. Yeah, and he's playing well in AAA right now. Uh, nine home runs, six stolen bases, and two eighty two, three forty, five oh five. Uh, in AAA, uh, no reason he should be uh, still on the AAA squad. They should they should be seeing what they got from him uh, at the major league level here pretty soon. Uh, let's uh, let's move on and talk about uh, you know another minor uh, move and then a couple uh, uh, more exciting moves. The Phillies uh, uh, traded for Freddie Galvis. Uh, he's still in the IL, so uh, but I know Jason's a big Galvis dude, and they also traded for my boy. Kyle Gibson and then Ian Anders or sorry Ian uh, Ian Kennedy uh, to kind of uh, fill out their bullpen. So Jason, what are your thoughts on these three guys going to Philadelphia? Uh, concerns once Galvis comes back. I mean, he was playing every day, which was the beauty, and he was playing in a great part, which is why I loved him so much this year. Uh, and so when he comes back, you know, obviously he's he's taken a, a slight step back in ballpark, but where is he going to play? Are they really going to pull Alec Bohm uh, and say, yeah, kid, we expected more of you this year, but right now we need you to take a back seat uh, with that. So uh, and even if, if Galvis does do that, that still means he's hitting in the bottom third of the lineup down there uh, in front of Doobie Herrera and and the pitcher spot most nights. So it, it hurts his fantasy value, uh, which which bums me out because I do. I mean, Freddie Galvis was like free uh, this year and had <laughs> so many places. Uh, and then on the pitching side, Kyle Gibson has obviously um, had some issues with the learning curve, as we've been calling it here for the last six weeks. Uh, and maybe some of that's trade deadline stuff, too. We don't know. We don't know. There's no way to quantify or to measure that. But yeah, as we got closer to the trade deadline, his stuff, his numbers were, were getting worse. And so now that he knows where his home is, maybe that can change with things. And I think with, with Kennedy... Uh, given that the the issues that the back end of that bullpen has had all year, it, it, it hasn't been as bad as 2020, but it hasn't been much better either. Um, and one of my best friends reminds me of that via text uh, probably four nights a week. Uh, so Kennedy, you would assume, gets the primary job. So he's the biggest winner uh, of them all here. But Gibson could be the biggest winner here. But I think right right out of the gate, Kennedy's the guy that I value most here. Gibson is actually starting as we speak. I'm going to turn this game on. So if you hear me crying in the background, it's because Gibson's getting <laughs> shellacked by Pittsburgh. Uh, but we'll see kind of how that goes out. Uh, I mean, this trade had a little bit of weird repercussions. The 
the Phillies are moving Ranger Suarez to the rotation, uh, apparently. Uh, I'm not going to let him close out games now that they have Kennedy. Uh, Jake, what, what are your thoughts on kind of all these moves? Yeah, Ranger Suarez hurts. Uh, I, I kind of needed him to keep this job, and as it was coming down to the wire, I was getting excited that it was going to stay there. And then when I, when I saw that Kimbrell was going somewhere else, I was, was pretty happy. But um, we'll see. I, he's going to start on Monday. I think they said he's going to throw two innings. I mean, he could he can feasibly throw three or four innings right now. I mean, he's already had a seven-out save in recent memory. Uh, I'm going to hang on to him and see what he does with these two starts because I don't think it's going to take him too long to ramp up, and he could be usable. Um, Gibson, we'll see what he does against uh, the Pirates today. They, they've been a pretty hot offense in July, so I, it's not really a team that you can just kind of use as a matchup play anymore. So we'll see what he's doing today. Um, Kennedy's got the job. You know it's his job, obviously. Uh, I don't think Al- Alvarado, Bradley, or Neris are, are – going to take it from him unless he craters. And if he does crater, they might even move Suarez back into it because Girardi really does like Suarez. He's talks about him a lot. He's, he's kind of one of his dudes. So uh, I'm hopeful that Suarez maintains usability for me in a 15 team, or I'm going to kind of see how this two start week goes and go from there. Yeah. I don't really have much to add. So uh, I'm going to uh, just kind of move it along. Um, hoping Gibson uh, kind of can reclaim a little bit of that, uh, that magic we saw from the early part of the year. Cause the last few starts have been a little bit brutal. Um, but uh, I, I agree with you guys in terms of the other guys. So let's, uh, let's talk about the blue Jays moves. They added Jose Barrios and gave up quite a bit for him. Uh, they, they gave up Mart, uh, Austin Martin, their former first round pick, uh, uh, I think it was Simeon uh, Woods Armstrong or Simeon. I can't remember his name. Richardson. Richardson. Thank Simeon you. Woods Richardson. Richardson. I was thinking Pete Crow Armstrong. Um, so they gave up. Uh, they gave up him as well for a year and a half of Barrios, and they also uh, grabbed Joaquin Soria. Uh, my guess is Soria doesn't really factor into the end of the bullpen as a closer, uh, but Barrios is a really nice move. Jake, what are your what are your thoughts on these moves to the Toronto? I agree. It's it's a move that works for them. I I have been pretty vocal on my show about not really being a Barrios guy. I always felt like he was a little overdrafted for what he gives you. He gives you solidity, um, and that's kind of it. It's kind of his curveball kind of comes and goes. He doesn't give you the K's you'd expect. But but for Toronto, you know, it's it's kind of the move they needed because their rotation outside of the top three, and even I mean, really, it's just Ray and Manoa right now because Ryu has not been himself as of late, uh, they, they kind of needed that stabilization and they, they needed to go for it. You know, their, their, their window is opening and Barrios is under control after this year. So it, it kind of makes sense for them to start going all in. They, they don't need a bevy of prospects anymore because all their prospects are, a lot of them are up and they're hitting. So, you know, it, it makes sense for the Blue Jays right now. I, I, as, as much as I'm not a Barrios guy, it's a move that, that works for Toronto. Jason, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, Brios and uh, Soria going to the Blue Jays? I mean, overall, it's it's moves that the club needed to make. I mean, uh, Barrios was the was the front runner, but getting Soria, getting Brad Hands, uh, you know, for all for the weirdness that is Toronto, and and let's you know, if you try to frame them, I think it was the stat heading into yesterday, they and Seattle had the same record. But Seattle had like a negative 48 run differential and Toronto was like plus 99. 
Uh, and the difference has been the bullpen and close games. I mean, we all we we all know what Seattle has done in one run games uh, and their ability to to do that. And we all know how many games uh, Toronto has blown uh, trying to do the same thing. So that's that's really been where the difference is. Uh, and you look at it when you come into the you know, they have a right now you know, our fan graph odds say that they have a 30 four percent chance of making the playoffs uh and so i'm wondering how much of this is too little too late but i'm also concerned about the the move for barrios because you know pitching in the al central is uh is nice but we have he's had particular issues this year against lefties Uh, and it's been it's honestly been something that hasn't been prevalent for him since he was a kid i mean you go back and look at his lefty splits in 16 and 17 uh, batting average against uh, 290 and 260 using weighted on base average 368 341 then he rolled off 291 299 301 308 and this year it's 350 on his weighted on base average so he's had trouble against lefties and he's coming into a division uh, and he's got to face Yankees team that just added two very good lefty hitters uh, he's got to face a Rays team that does really good against right-handed pitching he's got to face a Boston team that just does good against pitching uh, and so that's where it's it's problematic. Uh, I'm ex- I, I like the move from a baseball perspective uh, for a fan base more than I like it from the fantasy perspective. And I think that's the differentiator here um, is I, at the end of the day, I still see Toronto on the outside looking in because of the games they've left on the table due to the shortcomings uh, of, of their roster construction. Uh, you know, losing Julian Merriweather early like they did, and he's still <laughs> weeks away from coming back if he even comes back at all. It's like the bullpen kind of fell apart from there, uh, and it, it, it's just now getting the opportunity to rebuild itself. I mean, I guess the good news for Barrios is he doesn't have to worry about facing the Yankees uh, until September. They start. They have a four-game set at Yankee Stadium uh, starting on Labor Day, and then they play them again uh, the final week of the season. Um, so that's what they have left against the against the Yankees. But we're looking at schedule. I think Barrios pitches today. Yeah. Yes. He's, he's in the first inning right now. One out. Okay. Two so men he's on. got KC. Mm-hmm. Then he's got Boston. Then he's going to have Seattle. Then he's going to have Detroit. Then he's going to have the White Sox. Then he's going to have Oakland. Then he's going to have a Yankee game. Uh, then he's going to have a Tampa Bay game. Then he's going to have another Tampa Bay game. Then a Yankee game. So that's not a great strength of schedule the rest of the way for him. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you there, Jason. I, I mean, I like the move for Toronto. They really needed to add to this rotation. But uh, pitching in Rogers Center in, in that AL East is not going to be great for, for Brios's, uh value moving forward. It definitely takes a little bit of hit. I don't think Soria factors into the back end of this, uh, this the bullpen. I think uh, it's going to be uh, Brad Hand and and Jordan Romano getting the save opportunity. He's going to go back to being a setup guy. So for those of you in holds leagues, uh, he could uh, go back to getting some holds on, on a much better team in Toronto. But other than that, he's not going to factor in. Uh, let's let's talk about the Braves because they were a really really interesting team at the deadline. They traded for Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario, and Jorge Soler. Uh, plus traded for Richard Rodriguez uh, right at the end uh, of the trade deadline. Uh, so, Jason, what are your thoughts on the Braves pretty much acquiring an entire new outfield at the deadline and then Rich Rod as well? Okay. 
it's it was such a weird thing. They've been such a weird club because every time they take a step forward, they take a step back. Uh, obviously, you know, they've had massive losses this year, losing uh, Acuna to the unfortunate injury and losing Ozuna Ozuna because he's just human trash. Uh, so that's where we have they've lost massive things off their depth chart. Uh, and the the pitching situation with Soroka getting re-injured, Ian Anderson uh, not working out with things. Uh, Darno is still out uh, with everything. So they, they're trying to do something. But I, I kind of look at them in Toronto. They added all this stuff. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to matter. Um, and now we're in a situation where we're, have to, we're trying to figure out as fantasy guys, like which ones are going to play when, when. When Rosario comes up, it's like... Where is he going to play? Are they going to do a platoon situation with uh, uh, with Duval? Um, if you added Soler, you're hoping that he can continue the hot streak of power that he's been on. You really don't want to take his bat out of the lineup, uh, but maybe they're going to have to uh, in that capacity. And the bullpen situation, it's something they needed. They were leaning on, on A.J. Minter, who just caped. Uh, and that didn't work out well. Um, so getting that will help. But at the end of the day, I it's... To me, it's too little too late. I mean, they have a 17% chance of making the playoffs. So um, it's out there. But at, at the same time, I think they've got a better chance of trying to win the division. Um, you know, the fact that it's kind of mind-blowing that the Yankees and the Mets enter today with the same exact record. But uh, like, if you listen to the narratives surrounding both teams, <clears throat> you wouldn't think these, were, these these two teams were close. But that's what they are right now. Um, so maybe the Braves are just trying to say, look, we're going to try to push and win the division. We're only four games out uh, of the division, and we're going to see what happens there. But I, I, I think it's too little too late, but it just adds some more fantasy confusion with more names here that we didn't need. Uh, what are your thoughts on these moves there, Jake? Because I know this one affected you and Dave, uh, especially from the Rich Rod uh, perspective. Yeah, well, the Rich Rod one was more with the, the whole Pirates bullpen, but it, it uh, on first look yesterday, it uh, does not seem as though mm-hmm. the closer situation may be going the way we thought it would. Um, but in terms of the Braves, it, it this division's incredibly winnable. Um, they The Mets are barely over 500 at first, so it's, it's not like they're competing against the Padres and the Dodgers and the Giants or anything like that. Um, they they kind of, I feel like Anthopolis is... is uh, appeasing the fan base maybe you know they had high hopes things aren't going their way but it, you know he's, he's trying to put something on the field that could get them there uh their their lineup looks a heck of a lot better than it did when it had uh, guillermo heredia and abel monte in there i mean they, they were trotting el monte out there fourth or fifth in the lineup some days uh back when he came up so it it, it was a sorely needed upgrade just to at least put a major league lineup on the field um Rosario, I'm not. I'm not sure how far off he is. Uh, he, that door, he had a little bit of a setback with the oblique when he was still in Cleveland. So uh, when he does come back, it's it's possible that Duvall and Soler get get a breather on occasion. Uh, but it's it's also possible, uh, you know, when they're facing a a lefty that Jock has a seat once in a while now. Although they they've been, kind of using, they've been using him as a fixture at leadoff, but you know, he, it's he's kind of notorious for not being a lefty. Uh, they're having good splits against lefties, so they, they can give him a breather there too. Um, I'm I'm a little disappointed to see Swanson kind of bump down the lineup. But he, he's, you know, he had a he had a nice day yesterday, so maybe that helps him out. But you know, he's been pretty solid, and he kind of just hasn't gotten over that hump this year. Um, but yeah, it's it's confusing what they're going to do because they're not going to be able to play all these guys every day in the NL. Yeah, I mean, I think that 
maybe a platoon, uh, Duvall and, uh, and Rosario are, is going to be what happens. I think Solaire has a really good shot of maintaining pretty close to regular playing time. If you look at his ex, uh, expected home runs by Park, uh, moving to Atlanta, he would have 20 home runs had he mm-hmm. uh, been playing all his games there this year. So he's got 13 uh, with that huge power surge that we saw kind of before the deadline, and hopefully he can keep it going because he's been really, really good uh, since the uh, since the All-Star break. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this it's just a weird move, a bunch of moves. I think there is a, this is a little bit of a piece in the fan base, but it's also, like you said, Jake, this is uh, them – being in just a very, very winnable division uh, with the Mets, a team that didn't make a ton of moves either uh, and have a lot of holes right now. Also, um, you know, Anthopolis, uh, I believe he has got the longest uh, playoff streak for any general manager in baseball right now. So he may be wanting to just kind of continue that going uh, as well. Uh, The Rich Rod move is interesting. It seems like the Russ Resource right now has him uh, as a setup guy, but I could easily see him either start sharing duties in the ninth with Will Smith or even supplant him uh, at some point uh, rest of the way. So if you've got Richrod, like I'm not dropping him in any formats yet. I, I, w- I want to see how this plays out a little bit over the next couple weeks. Yeah, you got to wait to see what happens because I mean they could. You know, it's it's not too common that you have a lefty closer um he's not uh you know will smith is, is definitely not deficient against left-handers though uh, mm-hmm. he's, it, the splits are not nearly or there, there really aren't any differences in the splits so uh it's, it's possible that smith has earned enough sway that he's going to hold this job for now but you know there's always the chance that uh, uh is it snitker yeah snitker uh kind of messes around with it you never know uh, let's uh, let's talk about you know kind of some uh, a couple moves that little under the radar the, the A's traded for Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison. Uh, does this hurt their value? Help their value, uh, Jake? Well, it, it is the A's, so you know that neither of them are going to play every day, most likely. So yeah, I guess it hurts Harrison's value because he was he was hitting in a pretty solid lineup spot. Uh, with the Nationals, not that it was a, an amazing lineup, but he was getting everyday playing time for them. Um, it, you know how the A's are. It, it's platoons everywhere. Uh, and they have, well, they, they have a decent amount of, uh, let's see, Lowry's a switch hitter. Um, Harrison can kind of play all over the infield, not that they need to bench Chapman at all. So I, I, I can see them giving Lowry a rest day here and there just to keep him healthy, just because... We, uh, his injury history is is extremely uh, tattered and worn. Um, Marte is kind of a fixture now. So there's and and Andrews has been playing better of late. So I, I can't see Harrison getting too much uh, regular playing time. It's going to be pretty semi regular. Jan and Jan and Murphy are both right-handed. Um, so I'm not quite quite sure how the uh, A's are going to play that one. That one, that was kind of an interesting acquisition. Mur- Murphy hasn't lived up to billing this year, but I don't think he's he's been that bad that they needed to bring in Gomes. So we'll see what they do with that one. Yeah, when you look at the acquisition of of Marte and, and adding Harrison and adding Gomes, like 
these are the kind of moves that you would expect from a team. It's like, hey, we have a really young team. We need people that have been there and some veterans. But that wasn't a problem for Oakland. They already had those types. They had Jed Lowry. They had Mitch Moreland. Uh, you know, they have they have guys that have been in the postseason the last couple of years. So it's like they they've got these types. So it's just kind of weird. Uh, how it all works out, uh, you know, Gomes' playing time is going to take a hit. Harrison's really takes a hit. I mean, he if he had stayed in, in Washington, he probably would have been the every, an everyday infielder for them the rest of the way. Uh, and now he's going to be a bench bat. And so that's that's going to be tough for uh, that to happen. Marte, uh, obviously, that's going to that he's far and away a big need there. You have you have to hope uh, that he his stolen base game doesn't take a hit moving to Oakland uh, because they they run in Miami. They don't run as much in Oakland. Uh, so that's that's concern. If you're sitting there and like, OK, I need steals. I'm going to throw in a Marte and then he goes up there and just doesn't run. Um, because if, if right now they're projecting him to hit second and, and Mark Canna gets on base, and if he's getting on base via walk, he's going to clog that opportunity to steal the base if the next one's a single, that whole, that whole type of thing. Because uh, Canna was running early, but I can't, uh, for a team that doesn't run much, I can't imagine them putting a double steal in play much either. Uh, so we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, for overall, I was kind of scratching my head. It's, it's nice depth for the team to have, but you know, I, I don't see from a fantasy perspective there's more harm than good here. Yeah, and you got Pinder coming back off the IL too eventually. Mm-hmm. That's another one. Yeah, I mean this is just a huge bummer for for uh, Harrison and kind of his value in fantasy because I mean he was playing really really well in Washington in, in a, what it was a full time role, uh, and now he's going to go back to being kind of a, a super utility guy and have a hard time cracking the lineup, especially because a lot of the places he was playing have kind of stalwart guys that aren't really going to sit very often. You know, Matt Chapman's not going to sit very often. Uh, you know, Starling Marte, Mark Canna, they're not going to sit very often. So this is this is just a bummer um, for his value moving forward. A um, little surprised that the A's didn't go out and do more. I mean, I know that they're, that's kind of their MO is is to not go out and do more. But uh, just just a bit surprised that this, w- this was their main moves, especially with Trevor Story just not... Uh, <laughs> not getting traded like he would have been a perfect fit there i, I don't understand what, what colorado is doing uh at all not trading story so not trade john gray like i get the john gray move a little bit um he said he didn't want to go yeah well and and he, they're they're talking about a long-term deal so like i get that one but Story's not re-signing there He's going to go get money somewhere else. The Rockies value that compensation pick that they're going to then bring up and then block with another aging veteran. Yeah, I just I don't fucking get it. But let's let's not get too derailed. We've got a few more moves to talk about. Diego Castillo gets traded to the Mariners in a bit of surprising move, considering uh, what Tampa Bay's got going on in the bullpen right now. Uh, Fairbanks at the IL uh, prior to the move. Jason, shed a little light. What's going on, and do you like Castillo now in Seattle? Uh, I thought it was weird only because, you know, we mentioned earlier the fact that McHugh and FireEisen and Fairbanks all hit the IL, uh, and then Springs hit it today. And by the way, they did just call up DJ Johnson to take Springs' spot. Uh, So that's where... uh, yeah, it, just, it was just weird, and I don't know if that if they felt they were close on on a Kimberl acquisition. Uh, I know that yeah, they really did like uh, J.T. Chargois, and if you look at the stuff 
similar things uh, in both sinker slider type of pitchers. But the the difference, uh, and we were talking a little bit about this during your technical difficulties, Justin. Uh, you know, the difference is the the issue with uh, with uh, Castillo has been a decline in his velocity, uh, and it, it's been if you watched him pitch, like maybe I'm too close to the matter of watching it this year because you look at his overall numbers and people were like, man, how could they trade away Diego Castillo? You know, he's 14 saves. He's got all these strikeout rates. But then if you watch him pitch uh, and you saw some of this in that group text that I was giving Paul Fitz comparing him to, you know, some of the the guys from the Tigers of years past, uh, you know, he's had issues this year and the overall numbers don't show it. Almost a, a 12 K per nine, a, a XERA of 256. Like everything looks really good. But one of the things that's been prevalent within this year is his velocity has been down. I mean, this is somebody that would work 96 to 98 sitting there touching a hundred. And nowadays it's 93, 96. And every now and then maybe he touches 97. But during this pandemic, if you go look at his velocity charts on fan graphs, you see the decline that's coming there. And typically once that decline starts, it doesn't come back. Uh, typically. That said, Sean Doolittle threw something 97 last night. I have no idea where that came from. Um, but one of the things, and uh, our friend Jason Hanselman made a nice point about it on Twitter the other day, talking about it, is like when you throw that sinker and you're throwing it at the velocity that Castillo was throwing it at, uh, it has you know it has less time to run out of the zone. And, and you've heard me use the phrase on this on podcast many times, pseudo strikes. Uh, it's got to look like a strike long enough to entice the batter to do something. Well, with the sinker, if it's if it's slower, it's going to move more. And if you watch Castillo pitches here, that's been the problem is he cannot command the sinker. He's trying to put it to a location uh, and he leaves it up. It runs out of the zone. It doesn't look like a strike long enough. And so hitters will sit on the slider. Now, the slider is still a very good pitch and he can throw it five, six, seven times in a row. Uh, get guys to foul it off, get get them to check swing, and then every now and then he'll surprise them with that uh, with that two strike sinker that they they can't lay off as much as they do early in the count with some of the other ones. But then he'll spin that slider as much. And we saw this last night in his first outing with Seattle. He, he threw a 91 mile an hour cement mixer, and Jonah Heim walked off, hit a walk off homer with it. Uh, I mean that slider did absolutely nothing. Um, it, it just was, I, I, I thought it was a sinker because it had no movement whatsoever and it got crushed. So that's where, uh, you know, he should get in the bullpen. It really sucks for those Paul Sawal donors because he's looked really good. I mean, we thought he was going to be the closer for about what, 24 hours. Uh, and, and so he still may be the closer. I don't know if Castillo's is the full-time closer, but for the, uh, for, Zapoto to go out and trade away what was his full-time closer and to go bring in a guy of a similar skill set who has the track record that Castillo has had. It wouldn't surprise me if they're going to give him a little bit longer leash to lose this job uh, there. Uh, and he should see more regular save opportunities because, quite frankly, Castillo had not been pitching on a regular basis in Tampa Bay. So this may actually help his value um, because Castillo, uh, you know, they let him sit for a little bit. I guess they were hoping to get some of his velocity back. Um, he pitched one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times in July. That's it. Uh, and nine times for a total of uh Six and a third innings. That's all. He, that's all he pitched, and he uh, ended up with two saves. Uh, and uh, the loss was with Seattle. Uh, so that's where he really hadn't been using much. So it should be an upgrade for him in that regard. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him lose the job either. 
I completely agree in in the 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 notion that that Sewald is still going to get some opportunities. I, I don't I don't see that. He was showing even uh, before the trade of Graveman, you know, that that he was going to be used in in the in some save opportunities. And, and the, this is what what Service has been doing. He's been uh, not settling on he, even when Graveman was getting the majority of the saves for a short time, they would still randomly use him in the late seventh or the eighth inning. So I, I think Seawald is still going to get his opportunities. He's he had a little minor blip a couple outings in a row, but he's been he's been a lockdown guy this year. So I think they're gonna they're gonna keep throwing him out there in the ninth on occasion. Um, it was just an odd turn of events those couple days. Like the Graveman trade, you know, I, I kind of get it when when you look at it. Aside from the whole clubhouse aspect, you you acquire a bat in Toro that feasibly could be a fixture in the you know the latter half of your lineup in the coming years. So they, they obviously liked acquiring that bat, but I, I had no idea the, the shakeup that that trading Graveman was going to cause. I mean, he'd only been on that team for a short time, but apparently he was someone that was quite idolized in that clubhouse. And and then for Jerry DePoto to come out after that move and say, Oh no, no, wait, we got, we got some more stuff coming down the pike. You're really going to like it. And then it's, you know, another reliever and Tyler Anderson. That's, that's what they came up with. It was, it was very perplexing to me. Yeah, the, the Graveman situation, I think people didn't really understand what they were trying to do. Um, but, I, you know, Paul and I talked about it last week, uh, and and we kind of said, you know, this is what we expected them to do. I mean, he ended the end of his contract, get some assets for the future. This isn't a team that, I know they're competing right now for a wild card spot, but this isn't a team that's competing for a World Series, and they want to compete for World Series uh, down, you know, uh, at some point here in, in the future. So, uh, getting a guy like Toro, I think was a nice little, uh, ad for them. Uh, as far as this trade goes, I, I mean, I do think that Castillo is going to get, uh, some room to close, but I think Seawald will be used as well, as you guys said. So, uh, let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, got a few more, uh, moves to cover, uh, before we wrap up and run a little bit, uh, uh, low on time here. Uh, Craig Kimbrell gets sent to the uh, to the White Sox for Nick Madrigal going back to the Cubs. Uh, Jake, what are your thoughts on these these moves right here? Just a nightmare scenario for anybody that owned Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell. Because yeah. I mean, you you paid such a high price for Hendricks, and now you have the 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 best reliever in the game this year kind of looming over him, and you know he's going to be getting some save opportunities. They're both right-handed, so uh, it's it's not like a mix and match kind of situation based on handedness. It's but it's you know, it's probably going to be, uh, you know, maybe we don't want to pitch either of them multiple days in a row or, well, we've used Hendricks two of the last three days. Let's give it to Kimbrell and vice versa. So it's it's just a nightmare for anybody that drafted Hendricks. Kimbrell, you know, you you paid a pretty decent price for what you got. That's for sure. So it doesn't. It, yeah, it hurts that you don't have your full time closer anymore. But, man, you really cashed that cash that pick already. But it, I think it's it's the Hendricks owners that are really, really disappointed right now. Jason, what are your thoughts on these guys? Yeah, it is um, one of the things that's going to be interesting to watch with the White Sox moving forward is how they're going to manage this, this the pitching staff as a whole. Uh, and so they are the only team. And then this was as of Friday. They are the only team in the majors who all five of their pitchers have been at 100 innings or more this season. That's it. They're the only team. If you watched Carlos Ronan pitch this week, he looked gassed. 
Uh, and, and probably because he's only thrown 41 innings over the previous two seasons that he's already over 100. Dallas Keuchel has looked like ass this month. Uh, and so he's been a problem. Cease has been up and down. So you got Giolito and Lynn, two guys you don't really have to worry about in that capacity. But the back end of that rotation is starting to show the 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 workload and Larusa doesn't really show like he's going to let the pedal up on this. And so the other way to deal with this is to lengthen the bullpen uh, and they've got, you know, they've got all the weapons they want to use in the bullpen if they're all healthy at the same time, but adding Ryan Tapera and Kimbrel to this allows them to pull that starter and ending earlier. Uh, yeah. And they, they just have to manage. They have, I mean, they're setting themselves up for the postseason. I mean, they have won the central that's, that's over and done with nobody's catching them. So they just have to stay. You're going to start seeing the narrative. How are they going to stay engaged when they're going to like wrap it up by Labor Day type of thing? But they're setting themselves up for the postseason. And if they can get stretch out Kopech a little bit and let him work two innings, uh, you know, let Tapera come in and work two innings, this type of thing, then they can get the give these starters some type of rest because there really isn't anything that's coming up from AAA. I mean, there's they got Jimmy Lambert up on the roster. That could help. They could add Mike Wright. I think they'd have to add him to the 40-man roster. They have Ronaldo Lopez up. They're, they're trying to find some guys to soak up some innings. Uh, but again, we, we hinted at the, the fun game last night against Cleveland, 12 to 11 um, was the final score in that game. Uh, and Kopech got hit hard. Keiko got hit hard in that game. So it'll be interesting to see what they do here. But I can if, if we don't see them start to shorten the amount that these the innings that these starters are starting to soak up. I have concerns about these guys as they get closer and closer to the finish line. Um, if you are currently a Keuchel or a Rodon owner, you got to watch, you know, really put it. I'm going to watch their next start because Keuchel's really looked bad. Um, and Rodon, I saw a few people saying he looks gassed. And uh, and so um, start setting up alternative play, alternate plans. I wrote an article at Rotowire this past week about, like, I want to start stashing um, relief pitchers on my reserve roster so I can start cycling these guys in because you get, you think to September, if, you know, let's say the White Sox do wrap this up. And maybe they start putting these starters on three inning stints, just enough to keep their work in, but they're not leaving them out there five innings for the win. All of a sudden, these wins that you're trying to chase in the counting category are going to relievers, they're going to the Aaron Bummers, they're going to the Taperas, they're going to the Garrett Crochet, different types like that. So take a look at your free agent roster. Uh, I know there's a lot of focus on this year's Fabapalooza, but you know there's some value down the back end of that game and some of these relievers on some of these teams where the starters, you know, nobody's going to make it. Uh, We've we've talked about this all year. There's going to be problems. And in these big blowout races, such as we're seeing uh, here in the AL Central, if if La Russa doesn't decide to lean on the expanded roster uh, of, hey, we're going to have two extra guys hanging around, I'm going to call up two extra pitchers, and I'm going to let them soak up some innings to give my guys some breaks. Um, I'll, I'll be surprised if he doesn't do that. But start looking at start looking at adding relievers to your reserve roster, especially relievers that can pitch uh, more than three to uh, more than three batters per game. Because I firmly believe you're going to pick up some nice wins on the real cheap towards the end of the season, and somebody's going to win a league because some middle reliever they picked up got them a win on the final day of the season. That's a really good point. It's something it's, it kind of ties into things that we talk about on our show. But September baseball, especially, is is just a totally different game. And you cannot get married to the guys like Carlos Rodon, who who got you through the four, first four months of the season. But if they're showing the signs of that wear and they're not the same pitcher they were in May, you know, you have to have your fab money. You have to you know, you know keep your waiver claims going 
into September and make sure you have that money to finish out the year so you can recycle those guys because you cannot keep throwing a guy like Rodon out there if he continues to do, uh, you know, what he did in his last start. Absolutely. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about the last two moves. Uh, Javi Baez, Trevor Williams heading to the Mets. Uh, Jake, what are your thoughts on these guys heading there? Uh, well, I mean, it makes sense for right now, obviously, because Lindor's out for a little while. Um, when he comes back, uh, I assume they shift Baez over to second. I mean, Baez and Lindor are pretty comparable defensively. Uh, it, I mean, I guess the the big impact when Lindor is back, it'll be a VR kind of goes back to a part-time slash bench role. And uh, uh, you have McNeil shift over to third. Um, you know, Baez uh, had, a, had a good debut uh, for the Mets yesterday with that with that homer. Um, you know, it kind of seemed like a natural fit. They, they looked like they gave up quite a bit. I mean, they gave up their top pick from last year, P. Crow Armstrong. Uh, so it was a pretty heavy price to pay, but uh, he's, he, Baez even came out and said, you know, that he wanted to play with Lindor before this trade even happened. So it, it, it seems like it's a move they kind of made to to jumpstart this team a little bit more and make sure they don't lose this division to the Braves. It's, you know, it, I know there were some Mets fans that were upset that they didn't add a lot of pitching. You know, they added Rich Hill and, you know, that's pretty much it. But uh, you got Carrasco back. It's it's more, you know, does DeGrom come back in September? And, you know, it, that that's really what they need because if they get to the playoffs with the rotation they have now, I don't know how long they're going to last. Jason, what are your thoughts on these guys going to the Mets? Yeah, I mean, I was trying to remember. I believe it was Lindor playing second, Baez playing short for Team Puerto Rico during the last okay. World Baseball Classic. I forget, but that I think that's where – uh, they could go they go back to that space. And like VR has been playing third base uh, the last couple of days um, with that, but hitting at the bottom of the lineup now. So that that's uh, where his relegation is. They did throw they just threw Luis uh, Guillorme on the I.L. with a hamstring injury. So uh, you know, the spots you know, that utility role, I guess VR is going to fill it once uh, once Lindor is back. Uh, to that perspective, but again, it's it's what they need. I mean, Nimmo's uh, missed the last two games with uh, uh, what do you call it? A, a bite in his hamstring. He felt some kind of pull, uh, but he's not on the IL. I would say yet uh, <laughs> with it, because uh, we. I mean, as much as I love Brandon Nimmo uh, and his on base abilities, his his abilities stay is on base for the roster skills uh, are always in question uh, with things. So, yeah, you know, I think it's a, it's a nice it's a nice thing for. Uh, for them. And I think the other piece of this is I want to say something like the Mets have got a rather heavy load of games left against the nationals this year. Um, and so that could be, that could work out well in this pers- and, and for them uh, to be able to face what's left of that pitching staff. And uh, in, in that regard. So we'll see how this all plays out, but all in all, it was the, it was the move the Mets needed to make. Uh, for the roster, it's, it's a good problem to have when you've got two very excellent shortstops. You got to figure only one of them can play shortstop. Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's finish out with uh, Chris Bryant going to my Giants. Uh, Jason, what are your thoughts on that move? Bullshit is what it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's but it's. Uh, you know, it's one of these weird things that, because the the, 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 thing, the great thing about the Giants this year, though, has been their ability to mix and match and how they've had so many different platoon situations. Uh, and now it's like, 
all right, that's going to go because he's going to be in the lineup full time and he's at, he's there at, at third base. And so when you look at where that impacts, it's like you would assume, uh, you know, Solano, that's going to be that's going to hurt him uh, because he was playing there, obviously, in, in deeper leagues. If you were playing Jason Vossler, that's going to hurt you there. Uh, but he's going to hit in the middle of the lineup and it gives them a, a nice it, I don't think it impacts him uh, as much. We've talked about how uh, how the stadium has turned more offensive in recent years. I don't know if that's really going to benefit him as I have not honestly looked at the park factors for a right handed uh, hitter um, in that regard. So, uh, you know, overall, I don't think it impacts Bryant's value as much as it has some trickle down value for some of the other guys that you've been enjoying in NL only leagues who may, uh, you know, are going to be marginalized a little bit. You still have, you'll still have Darren Ruff in there uh, platooning uh, with things and Estrada and Slater, they'll still mix and match with things. But uh, overall it was the move that uh, I wish my team would have made. Uh, Pretty much what Jason said, it's going to take one spot away that they can mix and match in and, and people like, you know, Estrada, you know, people were riding Estrada for a little bit with Crawford out and, you know, with the, with the extra space in the infield to, to have guys like that play. But it's, it's going to limit them. Yeah, Solano's taking a big hit from this. Um, yeah, it's it pretty much a, a, a neutral shift for Brian, as, as Jason said. So it's really just those ancillary pieces that you might not be able to use anymore in a deeper league. Yeah, and don't forget that they're going to get other pieces back here soon. So, like... You know, Ruff is going to, you know, short side platoon for now. But what happens when Brandon Belt and Evan Longoria and Tommy LaStella, who are all working their way back, get back? Uh, You know, guys Mm -hmm. like, you know, they're going to figure out ways of getting Lamont Wade Jr. into the lineup and Alex Dickerson into the lineup, uh, Stephen Duggar into the lineup. Um, You know, uh, you know, guys like Wilmer Flores are going to going to lose time. So. Uh, if you've been rostering any of those kind of pieces, know that there is going to be some change over the next month as they start getting guys back healthy. Uh, those guys are going to start losing uh, even more playing time uh, than they already had, just being kind of moved around as chess pieces in that Giants team. But love, uh, love getting Chris Bryant. Not going to complain. Uh, I know Jason's jealous, um, but uh, you Barry. Know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure the Giants aren't going to be able to re-sign him, so it'll be a bummer when he, uh, when he goes to his new team, wherever it may be, at the end of the season. But for now, I'm going to enjoy it. That is going to wrap us up for this episode. Jake, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, I, I, a lot of people say it when they come on, but you know, this is one of the first shows that I ever listened to back. You know, when I was listening to Sirius, and then I realized that podcasts were the way uh, back when you were producing, Justin. It's you know, it's one of the shows that got me realizing that I was wasting my time listening to the satellite radio and I switched over permanently to pods. So thanks for having me on. Jason, it was good to talk to you for the first time. Uh, I appreciate both of you. Yeah, appreciate both of you. Uh, before uh, before you take off, um, before we ended up, remind everybody where you can be on social media and then plug everything you've got going on over at Rotosaurus. You can find me at the Dust Mite. Uh, Main thing for us right now is the High Stakes Heat podcast. Uh, we have a couple things coming down the pike on the site. Uh, so you can follow Rotosaurus on Twitter also at Rotosaurus. 
I don't have an article topic yet this week. If there's something you want me to, uh, I'm taking requests at Jason Collette on Twitter. Uh, you know, last week I wrote about the workload uh, concerns with some pitching staffs. We talked about the the White Sox situation here, and I covered a few other teams uh, because I had originally done a piece in mid-May talking about how some of these teams are off to red hot starts. Uh, you know, talking about Cleveland, uh, and then you know they had three of their pitchers go down. Uh, but some of these other staffs where there's been noticeable jumps uh, in workload and how they're going to manage it. I think one of the ones I brought up was San Diego, and then San Diego had a very terrible July here. Uh, looking through some of the the stats, looking through monthly splits as I like to do. Uh, San Diego had a 4.78 ERA this month. Uh, not as bad as the Nationals at a 5.94, uh, but Milwaukee shocker 2.56 led the league. Uh, then Oakland at 298, but Oakland's another one who's leaned heavily on their starting pitchers. And then Dodgers uh, took a jump up at 330. So the and Tampa Bay at 358. Those are your top four ERAs from the month of July. Uh, with that, so I'm I'm just really focused on pitching uh, and what's going to happen as we start seeing these guys tire because it's hot out there right now. On top of that, so these guys are dealing with the workload. It's it's hot as balls outside and. You know, it's starting to show. I mean, that 12 to 11 game last night was ugly, uh, but we're seeing more <laughs> offense. And it's not it's not that I don't have my sticky stuff anymore. It's just it's hot and the ball's flying. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and Sevi Savala, three homers, baby. First three <laughs> homers in the majors, too. First guy to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was absolutely amazing. But we're going to see a lot of these uh, kind of interesting questions as as teams start to limit workloads, as uh, you know, as teams start shutting guys down, this is gonna this is gonna have a huge effect at the end of the season, uh, especially for those of you who are in head-to-head playoff situations. So definitely uh, keep uh, you know track of Jason's work on this uh, and uh, keep listening to the pod. You can uh, reach me on Twitter at just Mason FWFB, uh, reach Jason on Twitter at Jason Collette, and reach Jake at Twitter at the Dust Might. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you uh, here in a few days with Paul. Thank you.